continuing our Love Came Down. It's a short series, short Christmas series called Love Came Down. Uh, part one was last week, part two this week, and then part three next week. Um, and we were lost in a broken world, but love came down and set us free. Aren't you glad for that? I'm so thankful that while we were living in a broken world and we were lost, that love, Jesus with, with love in his eyes, love in his heart, um, came down and set us free. And so last week we talked about just that, that uh, time period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, 400 years where the Lord was silent, and then he spoke to Zechariah, let him know that he was, they were going to have a child named John, um, and he was going to prepare the way for Jesus. And so um, tough time during those 400 years, even for, for Zechariah and for, and for uh, Elizabeth. And then we were able to pray for people who, you know, sometimes the, with, with the holiday season, it's tough for some people. And so I'm glad that we were able to pray. And just know that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Amen? During this time, the Lord is with you. And so um, able to talk about that last week. And now love is coming down to set us free. On March 16, 1978, a super tanker called the Amico Cadiz ran aground off the coast of Brittany, France and lost a quarter of a million tons of crude oil into the ocean. I don't know how much a quarter of a million ton is. It sounds like a lot, though, doesn't it? Oil swept onto more than 100 beaches, in some places up to a foot deep. Obviously, it was just a disaster of epic proportions. Um, and it, with, a, with a, something big that happens like this, there's more than one thing that happens. There's more than one problem. There was a problem on the beaches, which was pollution. And the oil killed fish and birds and plants and other wildlife, slowly contaminating the water as it begins to seep out into the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, there was a problem, wasn't there? There was a, a problem in the hole. There was an issue of repair, that there was a hole that needed to be fixed. And, the, and if the source wasn't dealt with, it was going to get worse. It was getting worse every second as oil just kept pouring out. And then there was a problem in the courts, the issue of justice. There was a price that someone had to pay for this. Someone had to, to, to pay for the damages and everything. The judge awarded damages of $85.2 million, which was, is a lot in today, but definitely was back in 1978. And so there was a lot of problems that was going on at this time. So maybe you're asking, what in the world does a super tanker uh, running the ground of France in 1978 have to do with the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's take a look at it, shall we? <laughs> Let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 in your Bibles. You can turn there. We have it on the screen for you as well. Luke chapter 1. This is uh, when Gabriel, the angel, comes and meets Mary. And we're going to get to see uh, him talking to Joseph as well. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. He had just uh, spoken with uh, Zechariah, that family. And uh, here we are in the sixth month, verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. 
The Lord is with you. Now, that would be shocking, wouldn't it, <laughs> for, the, for an angel to, all, first of all, just for an angel to all of a sudden appear where you are standing. I don't know what she was doing, but wherever she was, whatever she was doing, there's an angel that appears. Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. I mean, I would be looking behind me and like, what's going on here? So Mary, uh, it had to be quite a, a shocking experience for her to hear this. And to say, favored woman, you know, what, what have I done? What's he talking about here? But the Lord had favored her, and the Lord was with her and was going to need to be with her through the next couple of months. Verse 29, confused and disturbed. Yeah, I think so. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You have found favor with God. There's that don't be afraid. I love how they, uh, m- most of the time when an angel comes and meets with someone here on earth, they say, don't be afraid. We could have this fear about us of what's going on, even good things. I mean, the angel of the Lord is coming. The angel of the Lord is speaking to us. Even in good things sometimes can scare us, right? doesn't have to be bad things that scare us. Like, what is going on? But don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. Thankful for this. As Mary, what is going on in Mary's mind right now? First of all, to have, to have any child is, is, a, is a big deal. But to have someone come and tell you your child is going to be called the son of the most high. All of these big accolades and all of these things are coming, these names. He's going to give him the throne of his ancestor David. And his, and his kingdom will reign forever. His kingdom will never end. This is a big challenge for Mary. This is huge. And so verse 34, maybe she asked what what you would have asked. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. This is some scripture right here that points to some basic doctrines of ours of Christianity, that we believe in the Trinity. How many of you believe in the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Here is a verse here that points to this, where you have God the Father who is overseeing everything and sent the angel, and he's going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit, this Son of God. So you've got three people right here in this story, which makes the Trinity. Thank you, Jesus, once again. Shows us just just these foundational things that we hold on to and that we believe. And so this had to happen. Salvation is not going to come through humanity. It's going to come through the Holy One, which is Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Baby will be born holy, will be called the Son of God. Listen, this was a blessing, but this was also a painful blessing. For many months, and probably years after, people are going to look at this as a scandalous type of a deal. You know, you're, you're pledged to be married to a man, and then all of a sudden you're pregnant and you're not married yet. There's, some, there, there's a certain amount of scandalous nowadays, 2021, but all the way back in the first century, this could have been a very scandalous 
scandalous moment here. So while this was a blessing, this was fairly painful for several months, even several years. Did, did she get looks going to the marketplace, knowing what was going on? The outward appearance of this pregnancy is one of shame, but there were some who knew the truth. There are many people who knew the truth. Joseph, as we'll find out later, knew the truth. Mary knew the truth. Zechariah, Elizabeth knew the truth. The shepherds coming up, wise men, they knew the truth. Mary knows what it's like to have her life redirected by God. Anybody in this room ever had their life redirected by God? <laughs> this was a redirection. <laughs> Mary is pledged to be uh, uh, married to Joseph, and all of a sudden, well, okay, we're still going to do that, but you're going to carry the Son of the Most High. That's a redirection, okay? That, that, that's not the plans that she had in her life. And so for those of you in the room who you had a plan that you were going to, even something simple like have this job, or you were going to marry this person, or you were going to go in this direction, and sometimes God gives us a, a redirection and says, no, I, I realize that you want to do this, but I've got something better for you. Maybe there's some pain and some growing into it, but it's going to be better for you, and you were going to bring about my plan, and so there is this redirection, okay? And Mary had to be the type of person who would accept this challenge, okay? Everyone is going to have hard times. How many of you know that? Everyone is going to go through this life and have hard times. The gospel is that he saves you from your sins, not your trials, okay? So everyone in this room is going to go, come on, you're shaking your head, right? Yes, everyone has been up here before, and everyone's been down here before, right? And if you're down here, don't worry, you're going to come up here, all right? And if you're up here, but then you'll come back up, right? Okay? So we have tough times in our life. All of us will. Financially, physically, relationship. We're all going to have tough times in our life. But listen, I would rather have the problems that come with following God than have the problems that come with not following God. Okay? I would rather, if I'm going to go through life with difficulties... I might as well have the ones that God is walking through with me on this, okay? If we're all going to have problems, that, that, and, and that's kind of the thing where it's like, I thought Christians weren't supposed to have problems, or Christians, you know, well, I asked Jesus in my heart till all my problems will go away. Your problems are not going to go away. But the point is, is that whatever the problems are, I'm walking through with an almighty God. And so I would rather have the problems that come with following God as opposed to the problems that will come with not following God. And there are problems that come with not following God, by the way. And so Mary decides, you know what, if this is going to happen, we're going to walk with God in this, okay? We're going to walk with God. Verse 36, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. The word of God will never fail. Listen, Elizabeth went through some difficulty, barren for so many years of her life, but she stuck with the Lord. The same problem, she could have went through her life and not followed God, but she had this problem where she wanted a child, could not have a child, but she stayed faithful to God 
And now because of that faithfulness, then God brought John the Baptist through her, correct? <clears throat> so I'm going to go, I want to live life following God and dealing with those problems as opposed to the problems of not following God. And so he says, therefore, the word of God will never fail. This is also talking back to the Old Testament. There are so many prophecies that have been said about Jesus. And it says that his word will never fail. You can look back at Messi just even the Messianic prophecies, that he would be from the line of Abraham and the line of Judah, that he would be king and prophet and priest, that he would bear the world's sins, that he would be ridiculed, that his hands and feet and feet would be pierced. This was a, a prophecy, like how, how would someone know that? That the Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. All of these prophecies that happened in the Old Testament were, came true through Jesus Christ. Every single one of them. The only prophecies that haven't been fulfilled yet are the ones that are happening in the future. So far, he's been 100%, and you know what? He's going to finish 100%, by the way, okay? Which is, which is weird, because Nostradamus was like 8% right, but they, you know, hail him as some great thing. So far, Jesus is 100%. Like, what's going on here? Why do we hold Nostradamus? I mean, we don't. Why do they hold up Nostradamus? He was less than 10% right. And yet you look through the Old Testament, and Jesus is, whoop, that one, Jesus did that one. Whoop, Jesus did that one. Jesus, 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 all the way through. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7, just to give us a, a taste of one of those prophecies. For a child is born to us. That's Jesus. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the, Lord's heaven, uh, the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. His ancestor David. Joseph was in the line of David. Once again, another prophecy that is said. Now, I like how Isaiah, he, he says a couple of things here. And he, and he says a few names for Jesus. First of all, he says, wonderful counselor. Wonderful in, in this context, it means supernatural. So not just natural, but he is wonderful. It is supernatural, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Supernatural, bringing, and as counselor, you go visit a counselor and they give you good advice, hopefully. They tell you some things that you can do, and, you, and they listen to your problems, and they listen to things, and then they give you advice on what to do as a counselor. Well, Jesus doesn't just bring good advice. He doesn't just bring good words. He brings the words of eternal life, and he rules with perfect wisdom. Think about that. This wonderful counselor, perfect wisdom. Why would we try to figure things out for ourselves if we serve a God who has perfect wisdom, who knows exactly what to do, knows our makeup, knows the direction we need to go, but yet we say, no, no, God, I can, I can handle this one on my own. Why would we not go to a wonderful counselor? Then he says, mighty God, which was applied, to, was applied to Yahweh, predicts the ultimate victory of the Messiah over evil. That's the, that's the mighty God. So when he rose from the grave, defeated death, hell, and the grave, that's our mighty God. He's an everlasting father. That everlasting, of course, is eternal, forever. And what does a father do? A father guards his children, doesn't he? A good father. 
supplies and cares for the needs of his kids. That's an everlasting father. And then finally, he calls him a prince of peace. The one who brings peace or wholeness, prosperity, and rest that is in the days to come when we get to heaven. How many of you are looking forward to heaven? Goodness gracious, looking forward to heaven. That is our prince of peace. So many prophecies. Don't have enough time to go through all of them. Fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. What a response. The weight of responsibility that was put on this young child, really. She was probably about 14 or 15 years old, okay? I have teenage girls, okay? They're responsible for cleaning their room. Mary was responsible with raising the Son of God, okay? This is a little different, (laughs) all right? But that's who Mary was, and that's why she said, I found favor with you. The Lord has found favor with you. He says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. This was a commitment to the unknown. But isn't that what trusting God is, as we talked earlier? With anything. Isn't that what God is? Isn't that what trusting God is? Is that we don't, we don't know what's ahead. We, we can't see the future. But you know what? God's already been there and in the past and here in the present all at the same time. So why would we not walk with him? A commitment to the unknown, totally relying on the word of God. What did the word of God say? And that's why we turn to this word. We have to turn to this word. Look at this word of God. So then, the last problem we have is Joseph. What's Joseph going to think about all of this? Mary goes and spends time with Elizabeth for a while, comes back, and pregnant. There's going to be questions. And let's just be honest. There's going to be some questions. And so God says, let's go talk to Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, verse, verse 18. This is how... Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married. I'm sorry. Yes, his mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And there it is again. Different writer, wrote it at a different time, says the same thing. That's how you know it's the inspired word of God. The Bible is the inspired word of God. The Holy Spirit told them what to write. Verse 19. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. One translation says, a just man. So I heard a preacher say he wasn't just a man, he was a just man, okay? He was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Once again, this tells a little bit about who Joseph was. He could have flipped out, and he could have yelled in the marketplace, do you see but he said, no, let's, let's, I don't want to put her through any public disgrace, so let's break the engagement quietly. But here we are in verse 20. As he considered this, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid 
There it is again. Do not be afraid. I feel like I need to tell you, do not be afraid. God is with you. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So here he is bringing Joseph into the conversation. Say, listen, it's it's okay. What is going on here is of God. It's not of anybody else. What is going on is of God. And listen, there's times that we have questions. God, are you sure? (laughs) What is going on here? And so sometimes the Lord nudges us in a direction and says, it's okay, this is of God. We, we can travel down this path together, okay? Don't be afraid, I'm going to be with you. But he says that you are to give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is why Jesus came to the earth, to give his life for the salvation of, of us. I mentioned it last week, how in other religions that God expects you to give up your life. In Christianity, Jesus gives up his life for the salvation of us. I am so thankful for that. He will save his people from their sins. And it's interesting because it doesn't just say forgive the people of their sins, which I'm thankful for that. Aren't you thankful that God forgives us of our sins? I'm thankful for the forgiveness that comes with Jesus Christ. But here it doesn't just say forgive, it says save. So it doesn't just stop at forgiveness, it's a salvation. It doesn't just say I forgive you of your sins, it says I am saving you from the impending doom, the impending disaster that is coming your way. It is more than just forgiveness, which I'm thankful for, but there is also salvation. You see, when that oil tanker hit and the courts came out, someone could have forgiven the debt of $85.2 million, which would have been great, but we still have a problem over here. We still have a problem of pollution and cleanup that has to happen, and there is oil that is slowly seeping out, going to cover the entire world. But that's what Jesus came to do. Yes, he came to forgive the debt of sin, but he also came to save us from the impending doom that was happening. As that oil was filling up and polluting the whole area, there was death among animals and plants and all these things. But that's what salvation does. It saves us. Ephesians says that we were dead in our transgressions. You and I, all of us, were dead in our transgressions, but God came and saved us and brought us to new life. That's what Jesus did. That's why Jesus came. Yes, it was to forgive, but it was also to save and also stopped it so that that's, that that sin wasn't still coming. He defeated death, hell, and the grave on the cross, and then he rose again with salvation. That's for me. That is for you. That's a great place to say amen. Just saying. That's what he did. He forgave the debt, but he also saved us from sin that was slowly seeping toward us. And just like that, he cleaned us up. Cleaned us up and made it possible that we could live a new life. A new life with him in heaven one day. I'm so grateful for that. Come on up, Blake. We were lost in a broken world, but love came down and set us free. We were lost. Jesus looked down with 
compassion. Saw for 400 years what was going on. Saw a people that needed salvation from their sin. Forgiveness of the debt. But also to stop the power of sin that was trying to pollute our life and pollute the world. And he came down. And in three years of ministry, three days, (laughs) died on the cross rose from the grave with love in his eyes, love in his heart. Love came down and set us free. Listen, God took the initiative. He didn't wait for man to save himself. We can't save ourselves. It couldn't have come through humanity. It had to come through the Holy Spirit. And it had to come through Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. See, God took the initiative. He didn't wait for man to save himself. He sent his son, Jesus And I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful that love came down and set us free. And that makes me want to worship. And that makes me want to praise God and thank him. So if you would, would you stand with with me this morning? We're going to go into a time once again of worship and praise and thankfulness. But what I also want to do is I want to open up these altars. I want to open up these altars here today where you say, "I, I, I don't. Jesus is not the Lord of my life. I've not accepted that salvation that only comes from you. You say, I want to I accept that salvation. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Here in just a second, I'm going to ask you to come forward and pray, and I'll pray with you. Maybe you're here today, and you have accepted Jesus into your heart, but you're just, just having a struggle with this whole salvation thing, and it seems like there's a sin that keeps popping up, and you want to be completely delivered from it. You say, I, I want to come, and I want to pray, and I want to talk to God, and just about this whole salvation. Please, find a place and pray and talk to him about that. Maybe you just say, I just want to come down, and get on my knees, and lift my hands, and say, thank you, God, for saving me and my life and my family and my church and my world. I'm going to open up these altars and say, if you want to come and pray and talk to God about any of these things, but also I want us to lift our hands and worship him and say, thank you for what you did. Thank you for coming down. Thank you for seeing us in a life that was lost in a broken world, and you came down to set us free. These altars are open, but let's also worship the Lord this morning and give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lift our voices to the Lord. Just begin to talk to him. Say, thank you for the salvation that comes through only him, not through any of our works, anything that we can do, but it only comes through Jesus Christ. Come on, let's lift our voices. God, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of praise, God. We lift you up, God. Salvation only comes through you. Only comes through you, God. Lord, we love you, God. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for looking at us, seeing that we needed salvation. We can't do it ourselves. It has to come through you, God. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. For there is salvation in your name alone, God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Oh, we lift you up, God. We praise you, Jesus. God, we thank you. Lord, you're worthy of praise. Amen. This story is, it's, it's, it's not a story. 
this history of what happened, foundational to our belief, isn't it? Foundational. It's not just a, 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 a cute story to tell kids, shepherds and all these things, and, and, and yes, it is that, but it's foundational for us that we could not find our own way to heaven, but Jesus had to come. And that sacrifice that had been modeled throughout the Old Testament of the spotless lamb was found in Jesus Christ. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, grew up, led led a sinless life, gave himself to die on the cross, rose from the grave, and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Foundational doctrine for us that we hear every year, but don't miss it and don't forget it. Amen? Without this story, but I'm thankful for this story. I'm thankful for this story. Lord, thank you for being with us here today. Thank you for your constant reminder to not be afraid that you are with us, that you were with Mary and you were with Joseph, later with the disciples. And you thought of us on the cross. You didn't stay on the cross. You didn't stay in the tomb. You rose again. Salvation. Salvation for us. So God, we say thank you. Thank you, Lord. We don't deserve it. Don't deserve it, God. But you freely, freely make it available to us, Lord. So God, we thank you. Go with us today and this week, the rest of this month. There's so much for us to do. Some of us are preparing a meal for the family or we're traveling, purchasing gifts, hanging out with friends and family and wrapping up this year. So many things can can pull our minds and thoughts away from it. But God, help us to remember this moment and this story and this time. Salvation comes through you. Help us to not be afraid and to follow you. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.